Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. On July the 14th of 2022, this is a message for those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny. That is only found in the very source of reality, which we know and I know is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, who is who the one true eternal God is. So for those that are new, if you want to learn more about this and enter into your ultimate purpose and destiny for which you were created and for which all things exist, go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. Com. There's a flip book there on the home page with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me, which has links in red to many videos that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing. And these are very profound and amazing videos. Exceptional. They highly confirm from many fields of science and archaeology the reality of what I am sharing here. But this message is for those that have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Yes, God is great enough that he can communicate with his creation that he created, even to come down into this small speck of a planet, which is like a grain of sand in the midst of all the grains of sands in this earth, Communicate with his creatures. And he did that, for example, in Genesis 18. You will read that Abraham was on his face in the heat of the day at his tent door, and he looks up, and there's three men standing before him, probably about 10 feet ahead of him. He recognizes they're not just ordinary men. And he says, can I make you a meal? I want to make you a good meal. In essence, that's what he says. And yes... They sit down and they all eat and have a meal with him. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for God. In fact, Jesus Christ said that he is the I Am. And Yahweh is also defined in the Word of God as the I Am that I Am. Yes, God is great enough in his love that he could condescend and suffer more than you, a mere creature, and humble himself more than you, a mere creature, as a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross so that you can repent and be reconciled to God. There's two aspects to this love which are also symbolized in the negative and positive symbol that is found in all of nature, such as in electricity and mathematics. The first aspect of this love is that it always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. You see, any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. In fact, this love has such integrity that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to 
this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. It is innate, it is free, it is self-originating. The negative symbol symbolizes that love because this love is the opposite of corruption. It is the antithesis of corruption. The negative symbol symbolizes an indestructible foundation from which can spring forth creation without corruption, which ensures that there's an ultimate destiny, heaven, where there is no corruption. It also is a symbol of cutting off all corruption. And from that foundation, that negative symbol is formed the positive symbol, which also happens to be the very last symbol in the most ancient languages, which include the Hebrew language, going back to 1500, 2000 BC and earlier. And what is that last letter of the alphabet? In symbolic lettering mean, it means sign or symbol. God's love is so great and ultimate that the judgment we deserved as free will beings who are the source of our own action and self-responsible for what we create with our choices. God's love is so great that he always had that quality in his being from the infinite past to be able to become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice for those free-willed beings such as human beings which he has created. I'm not here to get into a lot of detail and teaching. This message is a message for those that have repented and called in Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and to be their Lord and Savior. It is a message for the churches across the United States, of Canada, and around the world in this time of great crisis. The Word of God says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so I will seek to allow the Spirit of God to speak through me. And how is that done? That's explained in Revelations 19.10. It says there, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy, which is speaking as the oracles of God, comes forth out of worshiping God in spirit and in truth with true reverence and humility and love towards God. Then we are filled with the spirit in a flow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances coming from the spirit of God. What I do to facilitate this is I cast lots on the Word of God to get the possibility of two chapters from two independent random applications on the Internet. And then I discover the theme in those two chapters that bear witness with each other. And I speak on that particular theme that is found by the casting of lot before the Lord. As it says in Proverbs, the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Proverbs 16, 33. It used extensively in the Old Testament. Used by the early church 
to choose the apostle that would take the place of Judas, used extensively by powerful movements of revival, like the Moravians who even chose their own wives by the casting of Lot. Because when you do this with reverence and you're walking right with God, God and his providential power uses it. If you do it and you're not right with God, you may be committing the sin of divination. Okay. Before I share with you the two chapters and begin to speak, and I only spent a half an hour meditating on them, I don't know what I'm going to speak today on them. I'm trusting God to speak by his spirit what he is wanting to say to the churches. First of all, I choose a song, and today I ended up having to go to the extra effort of creating a background and the words for the song so that it could be used by churches throughout the world. So I will choose that song, which is also on my website at loverealize.com under the uh, worship songs link across the top menu there. And we're going to go there right now, actually, and play this song from there. So here it is. Got to start at the beginning again.
wonderful song is that oh does that song inspire me to run as it exhorts to run there through all trials through all the tears of those trials brings forth the life and the spring life of God's presence in us to others and I'm here to share the good news today of the love of God that conquers all things when we learn to be conformed to his love out of reciprocating God by love and faith in who he is. And I want to share now the two chapters that I received. Today I received Psalms 27 and Matthew 6. In both of these chapters, there is the message of overcoming fear, especially from those that seek to destroy us, and about making God the treasure of our life for deliverance and provision. First, I want to emphasize the theme section of Psalms 27, beginning in verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, or Yahweh. That's what it is in the original. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Yahweh, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing the praises unto Yahweh. 
probably the most appropriate section in Matthew 6 is this, verse 6 to 13. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of, before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our, sin, our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now there's more in Matthew chapter 6 than just that. And I'm going to just go there right now. Um, and continue maybe first of all with a little more in Psalms 27. And we hear, we go on to read this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is significant. It involves time. On our knees before God, on our faces before God. Some people lie on their back, but I don't know how that can be anything but, you know, if you're weak and you're tired, because otherwise you're really, it's kind of a easy way to fall asleep, right? And how, how is that to be like that in the presence of God? Is it wrong to fall asleep? No, not at all. But waiting on God, if you look up that original word, wait, which I haven't done in this lesson, but I remember from other occasions, that it has the, the understanding of hands being open to collect water or a pool that collects water. It also has the understanding of two, of, of rope being twined together so that it becomes strong. And when we spend time before the presence of God, we may not sense anything except the awe of who we are before. Many times we do sense his presence with that awe. But as we wait on him, 
and focus on who he is and in the purity of his heart that is, as I've said, a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. That he's filled with mercy. And we realize he's the very love life source of all creation, the very source of love and of beauty. We dwell on him. We wait on him. It seems nothing's going on, but we're just conscious in his presence. And there's a deposit that begins to happen in our inner being. We begin to be strengthened with might in our inner being. There is something of faith that is deposited in us that is inconquerable. There's something of that resurrection life that is put and forged within us that is able to break through all the tendencies of us to be insular into the place of really feeling the heart of God and entering into the place where we feel tears for the lost. What stops us from having that hunger to seek God and to wait on him? Is when we quench that thirst with the loves of this temporal world that we pursue to, find, to seek our own self-preservation, safety, and comfort. These things in themselves are not wrong. But when they are put as a priority before God, who is the source and the giver thereof, they are very wrong. And so many of us as believers spend hours and hours seeking our own ways, our own pleasures. Hours watching sports. Is it wrong to watch sports? I saw like Mike Lundell. He was on the golf course today. I'm not condemning him for that. That's not wrong. What's wrong is when we spend hours and become obsessed with these things and all our emotion and our focus and time is on them instead of with God in a love relationship with him. And so we need as leaders to greatly discourage people from dwelling on such things. Talking about sports in a church service is stumbling the sheep and encouraging them to fall prey to these things. And we need to be on guard against this, to be examples to the flock and not in showing ourselves to be less than godly for the things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination in the sight of God. So here in this Psalm 27, David finds his delight in the Lord. One thing have I desired and that will I seek after to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple all the days of my life. The beauty of Yahweh comes out of the integrity of Yahweh's love that is a blazing fire of judgment that is very severe on the slightest sin in our lives or the lives of others. Thank God he is severe on sin. But we do not perceive God as some dictator and are focused on all the terrible consequences that we're experiencing of suffering in this world and others. I mean, here I am, I've been seeking God, trying to get in three hours a day, sometimes I do. I always do my two and a half hours, but 
and often get my three hours too. And so I began to say, well, Lord, and now I got a massive amount of sores all over my shoulder, my front arm, and part of my left front breast, and so on. It looks terribly ugly, and it's shingles. But it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't tickle, because I did get a shot, I don't know how many years back, but failed to get the other one. That's what the doctors believe. But God, why did you allow that? Why? When I'm loving you, would you do that to me? And you see, you can get focused on it. But our love is to be unconditional in the Lord and to believe him for whatever he allows in our lives. He is able also to restore us. And so it's not very comfortable with this. Nevertheless, my neck and my shoulder hurts a bit. I get a flash once in a while of something between the cross of an itch and pain under my left armpit. I'm looking forward to getting rid of all of that. I'm, I'm on some drugs right now that kind of dull me a bit, I think. But God is teaching us as his people to be those that walk in his presence so that his presence comes down as a tabernacle around us. We have that desire to be in the presence of God because we know in the presence of God is the very source of creation, is the very source of beauty, is the very source of all creativity. There is no more fulfilling place than to be in the very presence of God. And that is the case in heaven too. Not that they aren't fulfilled completely wherever they go in heaven. And I'm talking because I'm writing an in-depth book on the evidence of life after death and comparing the experience of real Christians highly verified to have died by medical equipment and doctors with that of other religions. You'll never find people that aren't genuine experience, Christians experiencing coming back to their body and being able to tell about going to heaven. It never happens. Not even close. Just look up Dean Braxton on the internet, B-R-A-X-T-O-N. On YouTube, type in NDE in front of it, standing for near-death experiences, and watch what he describes. What takes away the fear of the enemy is our delight in the love of God and our abiding in the love of God. The delight in the beauty of his love out of the integrity of his love, which is his holiness. The delight in the greatness of his mercy, that he has such a quality in his being that from the infinite past he always was one that could become a perfect atoning some substitutionary sacrifice on the cross and did, for he was slain before the world was created, the word of God says. Now we go into Matthew here. I want to touch on Matthew a bit. A very long chapter, so this is just, you know, a message that I'm giving. But I want to just, after only spending half an hour in these two chapters, which was a while back now, too, earlier in the day, he emphasizes the importance of not becoming religious and showing off that you pray long prayers 
And God knows my heart. I don't have such a motive. I don't have any desire at all for people to look up to me at all. I don't. I just want to be before God in his presence. I want to be in the place whereas I'd rather be not known and be in his presence where his glory is, where I can have intimacy with God. Christ says, when you give your offering, not to let your right hand know what your left hand's doing here. He goes on. emphasizing those that have such motives for the glory of man because they want to appear so dedicated and godly before others will have their reward. And it says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. There is various religions that believe in chance and psych themselves up that way. But that's not the way God wants his children to pray. He says, Be ye not therefore like unto them. For your Father knows what things ye have need of before ye ask. So here I come into prayer and I have all these needs and he already knows what I have need of. So I can start thanking him and saying, Father, I know that this need is good. It is pure before you. I want more time to serve you. And this affliction of shingles that I got is hindering that. Will you take it away quickly? Or maybe it's forging in me a closer walk with you through that suffering too. He emphasizes the importance of hallowing who God is when we approach him in prayer. It should be an utter reverence always if we really are perceiving who God is. We will be walking in the genuine fear of God which reciprocates who God could only be, which is this ultimate perfection of love I described. Only such love is an ultimate trustworthiness that is trustworthy to contain unlimited life, authority, and power without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, and thus indicative that he is the very source. And we hallow God and his being that his love is that great, that he will not tolerate sin and yet could take that judgment upon himself for thus, so that we could choose to be, repent and be forgiven. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater or that could exist that is greater. And so we have the Lord's Prayer. And there's a lot of this emphasis on not showing off our godliness to others. And of also not laying up for ourselves treasures upon the earth. But to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that's what was emphasized in Psalm 27. King David says one thing, not a bunch of other things, just one desire I have of you, of Yahweh, and that I will seek after, that I will pursue. There's only one thing I'm going to pursue in my life. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In other words, dwell where God is, in his very holy presence. So much so that as we go forth in our daily life and we confront the enemy, his presence is surrounding us to bring deliverance, to bring authority over the enemy. When God is our treasure, the one that is in our heart is God. And he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, in other words, it's focused on all kinds of things. It's not singular then you won't be able to see anything. You'll be blind. So that the light that is in you becomes great darkness. The issue is you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one or love the other. And that's why he says, therefore don't think or take thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Yes. I'm just skimming it, reading this. For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for you for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So this is the mindset that God is wanting us as his people to have. Not double-minded, loving the world. Very set, like as was described in that song. Going from strength to strength. Pursuing God no matter how hard it is. And who knows the terrible trials we might face here in Canada if they try to force vaccinations on anyone. I'm sure not going to get them. I know they're killing people left and right. Why would I do such a stupid thing? It's terrible what they're doing. The terrible dictatorship. But we are those that are here to rise up and to be strong and to do exploits in the time of oppression and persecution and conflict. Thank you for listening to this message. Remember, you can support me by buying my book at on Amazon.com titled God Headship and Body Invasion, which shares what a corporate congregation can do to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting their local congregation. I get a bit tired with all that I'm going through taking drugs against the shingles and so on for this week, but things should become better and better. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.